welcome to Showreel. In today's episode, we're talking Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Hi, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. There's been a lot of comic book news announced recently, so let's get that out of the way before we start the episode. There's been loads of announcements of Marvel stuff, especially recently, and to be honest, I could do a full episode on it on its own, so I'm just going to power through it quickly. Black Widow isn't exactly new news, but the release date's constantly being changed. Currently, it's the 7th of May 2021, but that will almost definitely change. Go for most of these, honestly. COVID's playing havoc with shooting at the minute, and just no one knows what's coming out when. But, at the minute, this is where it all stands. Venom 2 got announced, and it's currently set to come out in June 2021. I'm very excited for this one, by the way, because Carnage is being played by Woody Harrelson and Stephen Graham's room to be in it. Nothing's been released as to who he's playing yet, though. Morbius is getting his own film, which is supposed to be coming out in 2020, but we're now getting it in October 2021. Jared Leto's starring in this one, which personally I think is quite brave. He's clearly trying to redeem himself for Joker and Suicide Squad, which was terrible. But good on him, and uh, let's see how he does with this. The Eternals has got everyone very excited with the uh, the big cast: Kit Harrington, Angelina Jolie, and Richard Madden, and it's set to come out in twenty twenty one in November. Shang Chi: The Legend of Ten Rings, which is actually, believe it or not, Marvel's first Asian led superhero, is set to come out on July of this year. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse Madness is set to come out March of 2020, and it's another one I'm very excited for. Hopefully it's just absolute lunacy of him running around in an alternate timelines with Scarlet Witch. And this one, oh, this one, Spider-Man 3 has got everyone very excited, including me, because Jamie Foxx is set to return as Electro, and uh, Doc Ock from the second one, the Sam Raimi one, I can't remember his name, but he's also set to return. But there's talk of it being a crossover with all the live-action Spider-Man, which I would definitely see when it's released on December 2021. I've already mentioned Suicide Squad, but that's getting a sequel. And it was, it hasn't been pushed back. It's the only one that hasn't been. And it's, been, it's coming out August 2021. Thor Love and Thunder has been announced to have Natalie Portman returning as Jane Foster. And she's going to take over the mantle of Thor. Another one I'm excited for when it's released in February 2022. Batman is the only one of these announcements with its own trailer, which I enjoyed massively and I'm really looking forward to Robert Pattinson's run of this. It's supposed to be early days Batman as well, going off the trailer and it's supposed to be really brutal. Shooting was taking place right in the middle of lockdown in March when it was first being announced and it was delayed because Pattinson caught COVID himself, but he's fine by the way, he's okay now. But it did affect the release date, which is now March of 2022. Some of the small announcements that were made, uh, Black Panther 2 is set to drop in 2022, but obviously that might change because obviously Chadwick Boseman, uh, Chadwick Boseman is passing. Uh, the Flash is set to drop in November 2022. Shazam, which we don't know anything about currently, except the rumours about... Um, the rumours are that it's coming out in 2023. And finally, Black Adam... Uh, pretty much nothing's known about this one currently, but all that's known is the rumored release, uh, the rumored involvement of Dwayne Johnson, which came out years ago. But that's it right now.
So anyway, no, that's out of the way. On with the episode. So, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. This is another one of my favourite films. A friend recommended it to us quite a few years ago. And uh, I told him to stop watching films for kids and grow up. But when I actually sat down and watched it, after hearing good review after good review, I was really blown away by it. People really liked this film. And I can see why. The art style is pretty good. It's really good, actually. And there's so many hidden details in it. Like, it's ridiculous. I could go on for ages, but, you know, I'm trying to keep this podcast a little bit snappy, so we'll just do some of my favourites. But it really shines a light on something that people wouldn't otherwise have heard of if it wasn't for the film, including me. I'd never heard of this, really. But uh, alternate universes is still something that only really comic book fans know, and they accept without loads of exposition. This film manages to do something new without like shoving it down his throat, like without loads of exposition, which I really like. There's obviously changes from the comics to on screen, but that's uh, that's to be expected. But they put a lot of time into the art style, and they wanted it to actually feel like you were watching a comic, which they did, I feel like they nailed. So they put a lot of hand drawn panels into the film with like impact sounds so like pow and stuff like that but um my favorite one by the way is when miles throws a bagel at someone and it says bagel which is really funny but uh the art style is not hand-drawn obviously it's the first film of its kind that was partly hand-drawn and had complete new software designed for it and animating engines all sorts of stuff like that it was uh they don't they did that all to go get the aesthetic the aesthetic that they were going for and it really does a good job of making you feel like you're in a comic book i feel this one but blinking, you'll miss some of the most great moments in it. Like they added so much. They uh, they held frames for twice as long as well in this to give shots the stop motion vibe that they were going for. And there's a. Uh, they also added like thought bubbles and stuff as well, but only after Miles got bitten by the spider. And I I really liked that when he was bitten by the spider as well. He just slaps it away like it's nothing. There's a lot of realism in this as well for a film so bizarre. But uh, near the start, there's a great visual representation of Wellfy's spider sense where it just look out appears on a window in like massive red letters. It's really good. It's like a really good visual representation, just like a comic would do it. That's hand drawn as well, that panel. But uh, they do a they do a good job of making Mars relatable in this as well, especially from the beginning, because he's um, as soon as he's introduced, they show him his singing sun like singing sunflower but singing it is like a normal person would because he only knows the chorus so he sings the chorus hard and he forgets the rest of it it's really relatable because obviously that's how everyone does it when you don't know a song but uh there's a lot of character development and foreshadowing all the way through this as well i can't really get into i can't really go too deep into it but at the very beginning like the columbia logo is like glitching and twitching like the characters do later on that's good foreshadowing for later in the film but there's literally so much detail in this film like, i could talk for ages about it but there's far too much to cover. But some of my favourites are like... Like, just how smart they were with the Stanley. Cameo is probably one of my favourites. Like, not only did they have a proper cameo where he sold Miles' Spider-Man suit in the shop, but a lesser known one is that every subway train that goes past the screen has him on it somewhere. If you look, if you pause and look, you can see him on the train. And obviously, like, stuff like... There are references to Spider-Man 2 and 3 in this, the Sam Raimi ones. Um... There's a reference to Donald Glover, actually, which I really liked on Uncle Aaron's TV when he's in the apartment. And uh, he actually, and it was an episode of Community where he was dressed up as Spider-Man. They animated that into the show because he actually voiced Miles Morales in a different version. But uh, just while I'm on about his uncle, 
The Prowler is amazing in this. Really, God, never heard of him until this. The music, this, the music they used for him was unreal. It's less of, it's like a score almost, but it gives like horror vibes and it makes the makes things tense. It's very good. It's used very well. They actually used elephants to make it, and it's uh, it actually became a sound on TikTok like a meme. But the detail they put into the film is amazing. And they they put the amount of detail they put into making the audience know that this isn't their universe is ridiculous. Like the this poster's of alternate Coca Cola. It's called like I can't remember it's called the top of my head, but it's it's an alternate Coca Cola. There's Red Man Group instead of Blue Man Group. Um, burgers cost like seventeen thousand dollars in this universe, and the the police force is obviously called PDNY instead of NYPD. The list goes on. Like there's also another good one is. Instead of T-Mobile, it's like B-Mobile or something like that. But uh, there's loads of stuff you wouldn't even notice on your second or third viewing of this. Like when they're in the lab and um, the scientists pull out guns. And there's one scientist throughout all of them that doesn't. And this is because you can see she hasn't had a coffee yet. Like she's, she, everyone else is, blows out guns and they're ready to fight, but she just doesn't. She's sitting rolling her eyes because you can see she hasn't had a coffee one of my favourite details of the film is near the end when you see the collider sucking stuff up before it explodes, like right at the end of the film you can see the machine from Cloudy from A Chance of Meatballs whiz past it's called, I'm not going to try and see it because I'll just butcher it, but it's another Phil Lord written film, just like this, so obviously it's nice to put that little nod in there but overall the best scene for me from the whole film is the what's up danger bit when he's uh, he jumps off the building, it's just so good If it, like the what's up danger as well it fits perfectly with that bit and it really like resonates well with the character it shows how much he's been through as well like all the character development i spoke about so it's just a lot of juxtaposition as well so instead of when he at the beginning he falls off a building and he screams and uh, like i said how uh, the art animates stuff in like hand-drawn stuff the art he says ah and it goes down with him but this time obviously he's going up the camera shows it going up the R. so obviously it's just like a, it's a little nod but I just a little stuff as well, like I love when he first jumps off the building. He pulls the glass with him, because obviously you find out at the beginning of the film that you need to be calm to not stick to things as Spider-Man. So that uh, not only fleshes out the character a bit, but also it, he wouldn't be calm in that situation because it's his first time doing it. Just little stuff like that, it's really cool, I think. But uh, the ending's also done very well. There was no forced kiss between Miles and Gwen, which I really liked. They just left as friends. And uh, the post the post credit scene was amazing. Someone memed it, so someone put the multiple Spider Man meme in there, which I thought was really funny. And uh, they also teased the sequel with a uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine showing up, which I knew about. He's actually my favourite, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that one. But uh, anyway, that was a lot of information in uh, ten minutes. So thank you for listening to this episode of Showreel. Thanks for tuning in, and then if you liked it. If you liked this episode, please do subscribe for more. I've been Joseph, and this has been Short Wheel. Cheers.